And we turn to that passage, and um, as, as Jesus is teaching and He is instructing, He is giving us instruction on how to live the kingdom life here on earth. How do we live a kingdom life in preparation for living in the kingdom of heaven for eternity? And the word righteousness is used a great deal. And the idea of righteousness is simply this, living in a right relationship. That's a simple definition and an understanding. Righteousness, sometimes we try to to convolute it or, or complicate it or make it harder than it has to be. Reality is righteousness simply means living in a right relationship in the right way. And, and so we're living in a right relationship with the Lord. And, uh, and we, we have to take that idea and apply it to everyday activities of our life. Everything that we do to live, to function, to flow day by day, the righteousness or the right relationship with the Lord and living in the right way needs to be applied to every bit of that. Jesus here relates this principle to our relationship to God in worship, in relationship to others, and in relationship to material things. And so those are the things that we want to look at this morning in God's Word in relationship to to those three things, in our relationship to, to God and our worship of Him, in relationship to others, and how we get along with one another, and in relationship to material things. Jesus takes time here to give us a warning about hypocrisy. Now, I think that's important when we talk about righteousness, or we talk about right living and a right relationship with the Lord in the right way, that we, we look at this word hypocrisy and this idea of hypocrisy and understand exactly what it is. Someone who tries and fails is not a hypocrite. Understand that. Understand, just because someone tried and they failed does not mean that they're a hypocrite. If someone who has high ideas, in other words, this is their goal, this is their vision, this is what they want to do, this is what they want to accomplish, and they don't measure up, they, they don't meet up to those high ideas, doesn't mean that they're a hypocrite. Okay? We need to understand that because sometimes I think we falsely label people as hypocrites when they really are not. They're simply human and they have tried and failed. They have an idea of how they should live, but they don't quite meet up to that standard. Those are not hypocrites. Those are humans who are struggling with the sinfulness and the flesh in this world and in this life. A hypocrite... If you want to, want to listen this morning, the hypocrite is one who deliberately uses his religion, or her religion, if you would, to cover up sin or to promote their own self-gain. That's a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who, who uses their religion or their faith or their idea of religion and faith in order to cover up their sin or, or to promote themselves or, or to gain something for themselves in life. And we think about that, the Greek word for hypocrite literally can be, be translated an actor who wears a mask. Okay? Now we're not talking about the mask that we wear today because of the, the pandemic and the COVID-19. We're talking about a mask that changes who I am. And so here is the reality of who I am. I put a mask on and this mask presents someone else. 
that I'm no longer who I was, but now I'm someone else. And that's a hypocrite. A hypocrite who, who really is one way, but they are trying to use their religion or their faith to cover up sin, which is the way they really are, or to get some personal gain in their life. And so they put on the mask to look differently to others so that they can do those things that they're trying to do, either cover up their sin and or to get some personal gain in life. Jesus addresses this in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And and I want you to look at at three verses with me real quickly, if you would. We want to look at verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16. Listen to what he says. When therefore you give alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. So there we are. He's defining a hypocrite. And he says, when you therefore give alms, or when you give, when you tithe, when you give to the Lord, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So in other words, here's what the hypocrite is doing. The hypocrite is using their faith or their religion to be recognized by people, to get man's applause and man's praise. And so what they do is they get ready to go in and and give their gift, and they want everybody to know that they're giving. They want everybody to see what they're doing, and so they sound the trumpet, and they announce that they're coming to give their gift so that people can look at them and go, Oh, aren't they amazing? Look at the wonderful gift that they're offering to the Lord today. And he says, listen, I tell you, that's it. That is their reward. There's nothing else for that. And he says, that's a hypocrite. Don't be that way. Don't do those kinds of things. Then down in verse 6, we continue with this idea. Listen to what he says. But you when you pray, so hypocrisy in my prayer life, okay? You when you pray, go into your inner room, and, uh, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in secret. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant to pick up in verse 5. I thought well, I lost my word hypocrite there. And when you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites. So here it is, the word hypocrite again. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners. In order to be seen by men, truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret secret will repay you. So here's the hypocrite again. They're going to enter into a time of prayer. And they want to stand up and announce that they're going to pray so that everybody will look at them and listen to them so they can be so religious. And all they're doing is trying to, to puff themselves up, or maybe even through their prayer life cover up some sin. That's occurring in their prayer life. So that's a hypocrite. When they use their faith or religion for the wrong motivation, for the wrong reasons, in order to cover up sin or to get some gain in their life. And then down in verse 16. I want to continue to read there. Listen to what he says. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So here's what I want you to gather from that today. He says, if we're going to live in righteousness, or we're going to live in a right relationship with God in the right way, he said, what we do in our faith is not so that people can see it. He says, when we are going to give, whatever that giving is, you know, we talk 
hear a lot about, uh, you know, our, our time and our treasures and our talents. Whenever we're going to give something, he says, don't give it in such a way that you want men to applaud you or celebrate you or, or be, you know, recognize how wonderful you are for the gift that you're giving. He says, when you're going to pray, don't stand up and gather everybody's attention to listen to you pray. He says, so that you can puff yourself up in front of them. And then finally he comes and he says, listen, when we get to this final area of fasting. Now, listen, I understand that we don't do a lot of fasting in the church today. But according to Scripture, fasting was a regular part of life. It was something that was used in order to help us in relationship to to overcoming some of our self-desires, some of our fleshly desires, that we can gain some control over those things. And so we want to talk about that a little bit more. But, but here's the idea. He says when you fast, don't fast in such a way that you put on a gloomy face or you look, oh man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just starving, I'm so weak because I'm fasting, so that you draw attention from everybody. He says don't do that. Because he says, guess what? Those are hypocrites. Right, that's a hypocritical thing when you do any of those three things that he's talked about this morning. Okay, So two warnings. First is this. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't live your life that way. Second thing is, be very careful about who you call a hypocrite. Because sometimes what we judge as hypocrisy might just be failure. Might just be human weakness that we have this high idea of what we should be, but we, we don't measure up, we can't get there. Make sure that when we are looking at people, that we do not judge them. Romans 14, as we began our service this morning, don't judge your brother. Why are you judging him? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Let God be the judge. Don't judge him. And sometimes we're pretty quick to judge people. Oh, they're a hypocrite. You know? I've heard people say this, well, I'm not going to go down to that church because of all the hypocrites that are down there. Right? You ever heard that? Oh, what's, what's the point in going to church? It's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Well, here's the thing I say about that. If someone will let hypocrites in the church keep them away from church, then all they're doing is allowing a hypocrite to stand closer to the Lord than they are. That's reality, right? If they're going to use that as an excuse, at least those hypocrites are coming to church. At least they're coming into the house of the Lord. At least there's some worship. At least they're hearing the truth of God's Word. Those things are happening. If we choose to stay away because of some hypocrite, then we're letting them stand closer to the Lord than we are. And so we have to be very careful about who we call hypocrites and about living hypocritical in our life. And so when we look in God's Word, true righteousness isn't about what we demonstrate on the outside. True righteousness is about what comes from within. What happens inside of us in our relationship with the Lord? He instructs that we should test ourselves. Whether we are sincere and honest in our Christian commitment. That we're not being hypocritical in how we live our lives. That we test ourselves to make sure that my faith is sincere. That my commitment is genuine. That what is happening inside of me and in my relationship with the Lord is real. And he says, if that's the case, then it is true righteousness. And so he looks and says we need to test ourselves in four areas. And so we want to look at those four areas just quickly this morning. The first one is this, our giving. Our giving, he says, when you give alms, be careful. He says that we must be careful. That is, it is an important part of our spiritual journey. It's an important part of worship. However, our sinful nature can take something good and defile it. It can take something that is positive and have the wrong motive and the wrong intention, and it can destroy it. 
And so he says, test yourself and be sure that when you're giving, when you're using your time and your talents and your treasures, when you're giving those to the Lord, you're giving from the right motivation. You're, you're giving for the right purpose. You're giving out of, out of a genuine heart that loves and desires to give and desires to help others. Because that's what giving really does. Giving is the ability for us to help others. Giving is the ability for us to do something that helps other people. But here's the thing. If you're going to do something that helps other people, don't stand around and expect somebody to applaud you for it. If you do, it's the wrong motivation. So if we're giving of our time and our treasure and our talents, if we're giving of what God has blessed us with, don't stand around and expect somebody to go, Oh, oh, what a wonderful thing you've done. That's a, that's a great gift that you gave. He said that's the wrong motivation. It's not sincere and it's not done for the right reason. I want to draw your attention just a moment in relationship to that. To Acts, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 32 and down to Acts chapter 5 and verse 11. There's a story here. It's at the beginning of the church, the church in the book of Acts. And, uh, and it tells us that everybody had things in common. And that if anybody had needs, remember what we're talking about giving is about helping people, right? If anybody had needs, people were bringing their possessions and selling them and giving the money to the apostles so the apostles could distribute it and people could be helped. That's what was taking place. They were selling their land. They were selling their homes. They were selling everything that they had. If the need was there, they would say, hey, I'll sell this. I'll give the money to the church, the apostles, and the apostles can distribute it and help those that are in need. That's what our giving's about, right? And so in relationship to that, at the end of, of chapter uh, uh, 4, verses 32 and following to the end of the chapter, it talks about a guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas sells a piece of land and he brings the money and gives it to the apostles so that they can distribute it and use it for, for those who are in need. That's all it says. Nothing big, nothing significant. There, there's no you know, applause or praise or celebration. Barnabas just did what other people were doing. He had a piece of land. He sold it. He brought the money. He gave it to the apostles so people could be helped. But then when we pick up in chapter 5... There's this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. Now, if you've been in church any time at all, you know the story. And the story is they had a piece of land also. And they wanted to sell that piece of land. But when they sold it, they, they conspired together. I think that's interesting. How we can take something that God intends to be good and useful and a blessing. And, and we can, in our human nature, we can twist it and make it bad. And that's exactly what they did. And so they conspired together in their heart, uh, the author of the book of Acts says. And they held back part of the money. So they sold it for $1,000 and they kept $500 for themselves. And they went to the apostles with the intention and the communication that we've sold a piece of land and here are the proceeds from that. In other words, what they were saying is here's, here's everything. And they gave it. And the apostles said, Really? Is that, that's really the price that you got for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they conspired together. The Scripture says that immediately Ananias fell dead. Breath left his body and he was dead. Why? It lied to the Holy Spirit. It lied to the Lord. He, he was conspiring to do something and he did it out of evil intent. Something that God intended for good. Something that was intended to help other people. And they twisted it in their human nature and they made it, they were hypocrites. Right? So, so he, he falls dead. They take him out, they bury him. Within a, a time period, his wife comes in. And his wife says, Hey, 
you know, yeah, we sold this piece of land. He said, is this what you sold it for? Absolutely, it's what we sold it for. And he said, listen, the young men who have carried your husband out and buried him, they're standing at the door and they're getting ready to do the same thing for you. Why? Because she lied to the Holy Spirit. She lied to the Lord. And he said, when that piece of land was yours, it was yours. You could do with it. Nobody said you had to sell it. When you sold it, the money was yours. Nobody said you had to give it all. The problem was the intent of the heart. And the intent of the heart was what? To use their religion or their faith in a hypocritical way to gain the praise of men. To say, oh, look at Ananias and Sapphira. They sold their land and gave everything they had to the Lord. And that's what they wanted people to think. And that's what they wanted people to say. And that's what they wanted people to talk about. That's hypocritical. And he says, when you're giving, be careful. Be careful that your giving is from a pure heart. Be careful that your giving is from the right motivation. Be careful that, that if you're saying that you're tithing 10% to the Lord, that you really are tithing 10% to the Lord. Be careful that you're saying if you're giving of this, you're giving of that, that you really are giving of those things and all of those things with a pure heart, with a pure intention, with, with, with no pretense to gain praise or acceptance or applause of men. Because that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. Notice, Barnabas sold his land. He gave the money to the apostles. Everything was fine. But when Ananias and Sapphira tried to lie to the Holy Spirit and lie to the Lord and deceive people into thinking that they were something more than they were is when bad things happened. And so he says, be very careful. Measure yourself. Test yourself. Make sure that in this area of giving that you're doing it righteously, which means in a right way, in a right relationship with the Lord. And so be careful about it. second thing he talks about is our prayer life. He says, hey, listen, when hypocrites pray, they go into the synagogue and they stand up in front of everybody and they want everybody to applaud them. They want everybody to celebrate them because they're praying. And he said, I tell you this. Now, understand, this is not anything against public prayer. Okay? Jesus is not teaching that we shouldn't pray publicly. Here's what Jesus is teaching before we pray public, public, publicly. Wow, thought I had that fixed last week. <laughs> before we pray publicly, we need to pray privately. Before we stand before others and utter a prayer, we need to make sure that our hearts are right before the Lord and that we've gone into our prayer closet and we have prayed to the Lord and we are in a right relationship with Him and we're praying privately before we're praying publicly. Because people want to stand up in public and want people to hear them pray and want people to go, oh, boy, the, the prayer is just so, so, uh, so thoughtful. Their prayer is, is so spiritual. Uh, there just seems to be a real And they want people to hear them. Oh, listen to me pray. And he says, but if you're praying in private and your heart is right with the Lord, that's not the intention of your public prayer. The intention of the public prayer is simply to communicate with the Lord and to help others to come into that relationship. And so he said, test yourselves. Ask yourself the question, when you're praying publicly for others to hear you, have you been praying privately? Is your heart in the right place? Is your relationship with the Lord in the right place? Are you in tune with Him the way that you should be in relationship to His kingdom and your kingdom living? And so he says, test your giving. Test your prayer life. Third, he says, test your fasting. And we mentioned earlier, fasting is one of those things that we don't practice a lot in the church today. We don't talk a lot about a lot in the church today. But fasting is very much a real part of the church and should be a part of our lives. 
And we need to understand that. And if you haven't been taught that, if you haven't been shown that, then we need to understand that. We know that Jesus fasted. Earlier in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus fasted for an extended period of time. And so we know that it's something that is important. In Acts chapter 13, uh, the church leaders fasted for direction in decisions that were being made and things that were happening. Fasting is for the purpose of discipline of our appetites, of our body, for the benefit of our spiritual priorities. Fasting is, is something that brings my, my, my physical, my, my human side of desires and wants into check. And to say, I'm hungry and I want to eat and I'm going to refuse that in order to spend time in prayer with the Lord. That brings that under control. It it, it gives some discipline to that area of our life. Now, fasting can happen in a lot of different ways. And I know people today uh, talk about, because we have a greater knowledge of those things, that they have health reasons that they can't fast and things of that nature. But fasting is not just refraining from food for a period of time. We can can fast in many different ways. And so what we need to do is think about what is there in my life that is a physical desire, that that is a bodily desire, something that, that I have that I could fast from that would help me to discipline myself and bring that in check in my life. Maybe, just maybe, you are really involved in something from television. Guess what? You can fast from that. You can say, you know what? I've watched that almost religiously. I never miss that show. I watch it all the time. Guess what? I need to bring myself in check in relation to the Lord. Maybe I need to stop watching that for a little while. Maybe I need to put that on the shelf and spend some time reading God's Word. Spend some time praying to the Lord. So I can fast from that. Maybe, maybe it's just you don't have to fast for all day. Maybe it's one meal. So for the next week, I, I'm not going to eat lunch. Every day at lunchtime, I'm going to open God's Word. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to skip lunch. I'm going to go ahead and eat breakfast. I'm going to eat dinner. It's a decision that we make to control the physical desires and urges that we have so that there is some discipline in our life. So fasting can come in a lot of different ways and a lot of different forms. But fasting is important. And he says, when you fast, don't do it to get the attention of others. Don't walk around and brag about, oh, I'm fasting from this or I'm fasting from that. Or, I'm doing... don't, don't make your face all gloomy. Oh, I'm starving because I'm fasting. He says, listen, wash your face. Lift up your countenance. You do it for your personal, your personal relationship with the Lord. It's not about other people. But fasting is a real part of our life and should be a part of our spiritual journey today. And so I encourage you to look at fasting and consider the purpose of it and the wisdom of it and and the difference it can make in our spiritual journey in our life. Fourth area that he talks about is our use of material things. Now, we talk about that somewhat in giving because we talk about our tithe and our, our treasures and our talents. But he specifically now comes back and talks specifically and pointedly about material things. First thing we need to know is this. Jesus never condemned people having money, making money. People never, Jesus never condemned people for acquiring wealth. Here's the difference. When we allow that to become the driving force of our life. 
when we allow that to override our spiritual well-being, when we allow that to, to take precedent over our relationship with Him, over our study of the Scriptures, over our prayer time in our life, over our family time that, that He has, has validated as important. When we begin to allow the making of money or the gathering of the wealth or material things to become so important to us that we begin to push other things to the side, that's when it becomes a problem. And Jesus said, we need to keep this under control. We, we need to keep this in check. Because he says, if we do not, we will become enslaved to material things. Look at verses 19 through 24 uh, of that sixth chapter of, of the Gospel of Matthew. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about us allowing these material things to enslave us and control us in our life. And he says, we've got to keep that in check. We've got to keep that in balance. We've got to make sure... That we are dealing with our faith, that we're dealing with our Father, and we're dealing with those things first in our life. And that's where he comes in the latter part of the chapter. And he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And then these things. What's he talking about? He's talking about material things. Then these things will be added unto you. But first comes the Father. First comes our faith. First comes our relationship with the Lord. And any time we get those out of balance, he says, we're going to have problems. If those material things become first priority in our life, and we push him to second or third or fourth priority in our life, he says, then you got a problem. But he says, as long as you keep it in check, as long as you keep it in balance, those material things will not control us. Those material things will not drive us. Those material things simply become things that God has blessed us with knowing and understanding that all good things come down from the Father above. He says, and, and then in relationship to that, that, that we can keep those things in check and we can use them for His glory, not for our glory. We can use them to further and better His kingdom, not our kingdom. And so he says, we, we've got to keep these things in check. And, and we need to be living the kingdom life here on earth. We need to be living the kingdom life and that kingdom attitude today, here and now, in our lives. And we need to make sure that we're keeping especially these four areas in check in our lives. Place our trust in the Lord. Give to help meet the needs of others. Pray to receive His power and direction. Fast to bring discipline and spiritual priorities. Do not be a hypocrite or live in anxiety over material things. But turn those things over to Him and trust Him. And let him be first, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all of these other things will be added unto you. Well, this morning we're going to offer an invitation to him. And as always, the invitation is a time for us to make decisions about our life, about our spiritual journey. Maybe, just maybe, you've been struggling a little bit. And maybe you've allowed material things to, and the worry about those things and the anxiety over those things to take precedent over everything else in your life. And today's the day that you need to say, you know what, I've got to change that. I've got to put, put those things in the right priority in my life. Maybe you've never fasted in your life to bring your body under discipline in relationship to the Lord and your spiritual relationship to Him. And today's the day that you're going to make a decision to go, you know what, I'm going to fast. And if you need to know more about fasting, I'd be happy to sit down and talk with you. I'm sure the leadership of the church would be happy to sit down and talk with you about fasting and how we can do that in an appropriate way, even if we have health issues and, and things of that nature. Maybe today you need to talk about your prayer life. You need to make a decision about the fact that you haven't been going into your prayer closet 
and spending time alone with Him like you should. Maybe, just, just possibly today, you need to think about your giving. And say, you know what, I've been giving with the wrong motivation. I've been giving for the wrong reasons. And, and, and I have my priorities out of whack. And, and I need to make some changes. Whatever decisions on your heart today, whatever thing is, is, is in your life that you need to work with, this is a time for you to make decisions. Maybe you need to make that decision privately. Maybe you'd like to make it publicly and come and stand before your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, hey, this is an area I struggle with. And I covet your prayers. And, and I, I want to I work on this and fix it in my life. Whatever decisions on your heart this morning, won't you come as we stand and see?